I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. It's Friday morning. None of us are very happy. We're all sad. It was a tough loss to go through. None of us feel like it was a loss that was deserved. The Celtics were pretty much in there all the way to the end. That last shot was a heartbreaker. I ain't feeling too happy about it, but I understand that, you know, no one expects the Celtics to go undefeated throughout the playoffs. It's the first loss in the playoffs against a very well-coached team. But, yo, I was hoping to make that free zip and go on to Saturday's game looking for the second sweep. Obviously, it doesn't always work like that. I'm joined by Mr. Tim Shields and Mr. Wayne Brown to see what's going on. It's a tough one, man. I think at the end of the day, you look at the last two games from the Celtics, and they were very, very close with Toronto. You know, they took game two with the Tony Brothers special coming their way, and this was a game where I felt like the Celtics could have done a lot more on offense. This is actually the first game that they got beat by the Raptors uh, from beyond the arc. Raptors were 13 for 40 from beyond the arc. Boston only took 29 threes in comparison, which is actually – Compared to the rest of the games, it's actually pretty low for them. They were 9 for 29 from 3. Overall, you had a two-point lead with 0.5 seconds left. I, As soon as they got that bucket, I was concerned that Toronto had enough time to operate with, and they just didn't have the right defensive set for that last play, I don't think. Uh, Jalen Brown got caught up with Marc Gasol, and then Daniel Tice had to come over to take Gasol so they didn't just have an open lane to the bucket. You ended up having Jalen Brown get over late to OG in the corner. And you gave a guy an open corner three with 0.5 seconds left wide open. You have to live with that mistake. And hopefully, you know what, at the end of the day, you you learn from it. It, it seems like Jalen Brown took it in stride, you know, took blame for it. And they're looking to try and take the right steps forward. So that's the best thing you could do with these kind of games. And you know what, I think going undefeated in the playoffs would have been cool, but at the same time, going undefeated right now in the bubble, it's not as important as getting better as a team, progressing, learning, growing from these experiences. You know, Suns went 8-0 in the bubble, and they're not here anymore. You know, they went 8-0 and missed the playoffs. So maybe uh, going undefeated really isn't all what it's chucked up. Bad news is the Celtics lost. The good news is Toronto had to give them all they can to get that win. Like, that, that, that was Toronto giving it all they had. They had multiple players playing for, for tons of minutes, right? You had, you had Ananobi at 45 minutes, Fred Van Vliet at 40 minutes, Kyle Lowry at 46 minutes. Pascal was at 30, about 38 minutes, but he probably would have played 40 something minutes if he didn't have four fouls. Like they had to give it all they had, you know, to not go down 03. So, um, you know, tough loss. For the Celtics because you just knew at 0.5 seconds left on the clock. Ah, you you kind of thought they had it in the bag. You did expect them to to come out with a play, but you didn't expect it to end in that kind of fashion. Even if they took that shot, even if that same play went down, I did I, I expected it to be contested, and it wasn't. And you can't leave my man OG in the corner. He's been killing the Celtics from the corner three. And you can't leave him in the corner wide open because he's been hitting them with people in his face. So, I mean, it was a tough break, tough loss. My only question or my only concern 
I'm not worried, but my only concern is how do the Celtics bounce back? And, you know, Tim said it earlier, you know, they didn't, they didn't really score well. They didn't shoot well, especially from the three. I mean, 31% from the three point opposed to Toronto's, whew, 32, uh, well, 30, 32.5%. So it was, it was pretty close, but Toronto did take more three point shots. I don't know, man. I just, I just hope that the Celtics find a way to be resilient and bounce back from like a devastating loss. And I think it started with Jalen Brown taking the blame, even if it wasn't his fault. I think that's where it started. You see leadership in that young fellow and him saying, you know what? Dropping F bomb saying it's on me. <laughs> I think that starts. That's a start. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, man, this was, this is a series made for Jalen Brown. He's had Siakam's number through the first three games. Siakam's having to go deep into his bag just to keep his box score respectable. Brian has, I mean, Brian last night was doing everything. It was such, like, the way it ended is not the way Brian deserved it to end because his play, he, in my opinion, he was the best player on the floor last night behind Kemba Walker. He was the best defensive player on, on the Celtics last night. He had a double-double by halftime. He was blocking shots. He was closing lanes. He was getting his chest into the back of guys. He wasn't. He wasn't backing down from anybody. He was rotating ferociously. Obviously, we can all say, "Oh well, if Tatum had a if Tatum had a better scoring night, then this game's over." Well, you can't expect Tatum to go for thirty every night. It's unfair on him. He he still found ways to make it work. Matched his um, playoff career high in assists with six. He he was fantastic. I saw some people on social media saying this this loss is because Cantor played, which is ludicrous. They used Cantor for a specific reason, and that was because the zone defense that they were playing, I think um, Van Gundy was calling it a triangle and two, was really causing the Celtics problems in getting into the lane. And the Celtics weren't very hot at pulling up for jumpers. So putting Cantor in there gave you some extra possessions. It gave you some post-entry passes that weren't available if Tyus or Rob Will were on the course. It made sense in a brief moment of time. I don't expect you'll see Cantor much because he instantly started getting hurt on um, pick and rolls. As soon as Cantor entered the floor, Van Vliet and Lowry were calling for pick and rolls on him every time and finding success. So he's not going to be a viable option long-term. But for now, I understand why that happened. Kemba was phenomenal. I mean, this was probably one of the best games we've seen from Kemba in a while, if not in a, in a Celtic shirt. He was just, he was money. The only problem is the other guy that you want to be money had a short night. I mean, credit to credit to Toronto too. They kept it tough. They, they've realized now, and I've been saying this for a while, that the Celtics are weakest when you drive in the lane, that their rotations really suffer. They struggle to contain... Um, driving dish point guards and Lowry kind of took advantage of that last night to great effect so they're going to have to find a way to cut those driving lanes off early and they were doing that in game one that's how and partially in game two I think Lowry kind of done himself a disservice in game two it's going to be tough there's going to be some changes that need to be made and whether and whoever makes those changes the best is going to come out I just don't want the series tied back up at 2-2 I think that's a fair ask I think with the way that it's gone so far we saw two games where Boston came out the gate really, really strong. I don't think they came out very strong in the first. They kind of struggled right off the bat in game three. Game one, they came out the gate hot, and they basically built the lead in the first quarter, and then the rest of the game was just holding Toronto at arm's length. 
So if you're Boston, next game, uh, I, I would look to try and get started early. I think percentage-wise for three for this past game, it wasn't bad. It's less about percentage as it is about volume. I think Toronto's pretty much taken 43s a game, like on average for at least games one and two was around 43s total. So Boston having just one under 30 means that they've got to not be afraid to take those threes, get their guys open to be on the arc. And yeah, of course you need Jason Tatum to get going too, but this was overall a quiet night offensively for the Celtics. So I would look for them to bounce back. I hope that they do. Uh, I would prefer to try and get this series over as soon as possible, just because I I don't know what's going to happen with that Miami-Milwaukee series. That is going to be fun to watch. So far, it's been very, very neck and neck, especially that finishing game two for them. But from a Celtics perspective, this is one of those losses that you have to grow from. And I think... As much as it stunk to have that buzzer beater get dropped on you, I would bet a lot of money. I bet the house on the fact that Jalen Brown and the rest of the Celtics team is not going to allow that kind of shot get off uh, in crunch time ever again. I don't think we're ever going to see that kind of lapse in defense. I just don't think. I don't think Brad Stevens is for it. You know, there should be some blame on him in terms of how that play ended up. You know, working out at the end, but you weren't defined by that one play. It wasn't that one slip-up that cost you the game. It was a multitude of different things and different factors that led to that potential outcome. At the end of the day, you got to cover your guys. Can't leave a guy open for three when you're only up two. But you kind of have to go home, lick your wounds, and live to fight another day. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't that one play that led up to that one play happening. But you got to finish strong. You know, if you start off slow, you definitely got to find a way to finish strong. And they kind of, you know, the Celtics thought that they, you know, they kind of did. They weren't celebrating at 0.5 seconds left, but they did hit a big shot. I mean, let, if you talk about that was one of, you know, Kimba's, what he had, three assists? That was one of the most amazing passes I've ever seen. Like he he dribbled around. He kind of got trapped. He got through Mark Gasol, got around him, got through the trap, dished the ball out, Tice cuts to the paint, Siakam doesn't drop down, boom, bang, two points, 0.5 left on the clock. You know, it's 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 tough because we're going to keep coming back to that play. Like, right, we, there's plenty of plays where the Celtics probably could have, you know, kind of took took this game into the grasp of their own hands, which they didn't. But when you get down to that play, Celtics had the battle. It was a dogfight all night. Bang, bang, bang. You know, Adam talked about Kyle Lowry. Look, he's pro, he has progressed every game. He, like, the first game, he was kind of contained. The second game, they kind of... Like he he kind of started to you know take matters into his own hands, driving, 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 and Ananobi had a crazy second game. Like he couldn't miss. I mean, he was hitting shots with people in his face. And then in his third game, from the tip off off the ball, you know, Kyle Lowry gets the ball, drives to the paint, gets the and one. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a Kyle Lowry type game. We gotta figure out how to. That's the one person you don't want energized because I feel like if Kyle Lowry isn't like energized and ready to go, I mean, he didn't shoot well from the three. I think he was two for nine, but still he was able to get to the paint. He finished with 31 points, right? Because he was getting fouled and all that type of stuff. So like they got to figure out a way to contain Mr. Kyle Lowry. And Tim, you said it like I would like to see them shoot more threes. Jason Tatum only shot four three points. He only attempted four times. He he was one for four, 25%. You need him to shoot more. Like, 
I get it. He finished with 15. It was it was like an awkward game. He he led the team with six assists. I got it. I would like to see him shoot, you know, better shots. And no disrespect to Marcus Smart. And I know he had a crazy game two. Well, at least a crazy fourth quarter in game two with five threes in a row. But some of his threes, I just I just wish they would have made that extra pass. Um, you know, but hey, he's part of the offense. He's he's got to get his shots off as well. So tough loss again. But I think I feel they'll find a way to bounce back because I don't expect Jason Tatum. It's not like he had a bad game. I just don't expect him to not shoot as uh, you know. I, I expect him to shoot more game four. Yeah. So the Celtic. Sorry. So Toronto, what Toronto are doing quite well, and because the Celtics have been exploiting Marc Gasol in the first two games, was they were utilizing him in a drop predominantly, and then having their two wing defenders pinch once somebody started to cut into the lane. So what that was doing was creating like an inverted triangle on defense, and it was making it really difficult for guys to get looks in the mid-range. I think Jalen Brown found some early success, and then they started to pinch a little bit tighter. And that allows the wings to be still on the perimeter. So they're, they're kind of double guarding in a sense. It's kind of like a zone, but it's not. It's still a man-to-man coverage with a drop big. And that's what really threw Tatum off his game because he couldn't get that space creation because you'd have two two wing, two guards, then your two wings are guarding on the perimeter, but they're pinching in as well to close those driving lanes. And then if you get past all of those, you've got the big body of Marcus Gasol to deal with. Tatum's been eaten by putting Marc Gasol in a blender and he just couldn't get the driving lanes to get hot. And you, you know when Tatum's not really feeling it, he's not, he's not feeling hot, then he's going to try and get to work in the paint before extending his range back out to the three. Their defense was com- perfectly schemed against that. So that was another thing that I kind of noticed with Tatum struggling, which is why I think he became more of a s- facilitator in this game. Kyle Lowry, I mean... If you're going to stop Carl Lowry, then you need to come up with a similar defensive scheme, have somebody, have your two guys pinching. But that's not the way the Celtics are going to defend. They're going to switch heavy. And there were some really good defensive possessions where I thought they were closing driving lanes and they were digging on guys, hedging on the pick and rolls that we hadn't really seen in game two. It was just that Lowry was making his shots. Van Vliet was making his shots. And I said it last week when we were coming into the Toronto series that for the first two games, we're not going to see the real Kyle Lowry because he's going to be nursing that ankle and trying to get back that back to full health. Well, we saw the real Kyle Lowry yesterday. That's what we saw. That's who he was. He was the real Kyle Lowry. Mike Lowry, he was one of the bad boys. That's who he was. So it's going to be tough, very, very tough. I want to see more from Marcus Smart on the defensive end. He's been great offensively. He was struggled a bit yesterday. But for me, like, now that the Toronto Raptors guards are starting to find their stride offensively. This for me is when Marcus Smart turns the offense off and really knuckles down on D because that's where he's going to be most valuable in on Saturday's game. And I do want to say this now because we, we've talked about the series so far and how the Raptors have matched up to the Celtics overall for this season. I feel like we do have to give Toronto a good amount of respect here even with that to a lead and that being a close game in Boston, having that game in hand, they're not closing it out like they should have. Toronto is a really, really tough team. Uh, Boston just happens to have their number. It's a really tough matchup regardless. And this is certainly a team that you just don't want to let your guard down on. They're not a team that I would 
underestimate nor would want the Celtics to underestimate the situation. So I expect there to be a reaction. You know, for every action, there is an equal reaction. So I expect with this next game, we'll see Boston try and change it up a little bit in terms of energy, try and get out early, trying to get started, definitely try and get Jason Tatum started. And I agree, Adam, on Marcus Smart. I do want to see him get a little bit more involved defensively in terms of trying to create chaos. Uh, I, I want them to try and create those kind of little, you know, defense creates offense kind of plays where, you know, the force a turnover, force a bad pass, and all of a sudden they're running the break and getting up the floor. In terms of what I expect to see, I do want to see them shoot more threes, as we've talked about before, but I mainly want to see them moving the ball like they were. They had a couple really good sequences, and that's why, like, even with this loss, I don't want to completely throw out the window everything that Boston was doing. They had some excellent passing sequences this game where they were just moving the ball with such frenetic energy that that thing was just flying around the court, and they just got some beautiful looks off of it. So if they can continue to build off of that and just try and get going early, I think they'll be a lot better off. You know, just just get a comfortable lead and then just keep nursing it. Hold the Raptors at bay. Because I think once, once you get another win under your belt and you got this team down 3-1, you know, it, it took a Hail Mary, Hail Mary for the Raptors to win the last game. And they're still a very, very good team. It's just a tough matchup for them against Boston. So I think if this team goes down 3-1, then it's a wrap. Yeah, my, I think I have another concern, and it's not with play. It's more with the health. I definitely love when Robert Williams comes off the bench because he just provides this, like, amazing spark. It's like he's the neutralizer. Like, once Toronto goes on this little bitty run, we enter him, we come in, we get an easy lob to the basket. It's thunderous in there. It's like they're at the Boston Garden, and everybody's going crazy. But on that drive, on that basket, he falls to the floor. <laughs> and then it's like he gets back up. And is he, is he okay? So, you know, I, I really like the insertion of Robert Williams when it comes to Brad trying to figure things out or trying to neutralize what Toronto is doing. Because I just don't think they really, they, they don't really have an answer for him when he comes. He just has these bunny hops and ups and, and he's just this different spark of energy. Grant Williams also played some good minutes. I mean, he, he only gave us five points, but he played some good minutes. Hit a nice big three in the corner to get Boston, like, right back, you know, under the under the score really quickly because they were down by, like, I think five. He comes and hits a three to go down by two. Like, he just comes in and, and just uplifts the spirit. So I, I'm hoping that that doesn't need to be utilized as much in game four because I'm thinking Boston's just going to come out guns blazing. Like, that's what you really want to see. Tim, you said it. You want them to start out fast. You want them to get those, get their easy shots. Boston's mid-range game has been hitting, hitting. Like, that's a word I like to use. So just say it double time. I think if they find those ways to stick to that because it's like Jalen Brown comes and finds these spots. And if the defense isn't tough on Tatum, he also finds those spots. And we also know that Kimball Walker gets the pick <laughs> and then he finds those spots. I think that's a way that that's the way they beat Philly. I think that's a way they're probably going to try to utilize their game since they can't really get to the to the rim as much as they want to. And I'm with Adam and you, Tim, on this. Like, I really need Marcus Smart to just say, give me whomever. I will stop him no matter what, because Marcus Smart's offense 
is, is ignited from his defense. When he plays really good defense, his shots fall. Don't ask me why. Don't know how. It's just like that's what ignites him. That's what turns on the Super Saiyan Marcus Smart. So, and that, that happened in game, uh, game two when he was like, yo, give me Siakam. Like, let me deal with him. And then all of a sudden he comes and just hits these threes out of nowhere. I'm telling you, yo, Marcus Smart is definitely going to be better. Um, he, he played well. It's just that his shots weren't falling. Like two for nine. He just, they just weren't falling like they were in game, in game two. So I think it's going to be a better route. Celtics are at home again. It's game four. They won't lose at home twice. I know they're in the bubble, but they're still at home. So I'm really looking forward to game four. Find a way to contain Kyle Lowry. Don't let their bench come in and just hit threes. That, that's my thing. And they kind of neutralized it. That's why the game was so close. Uh, it was their starters that kind of had better games. Had better games. We're gonna head to break. When we come back, I want to talk about ball movement on both sides of the court for both teams. So we'll be back in a moment. Yeah, so for me, the ball movement was one of the biggest narratives of the game for both sides. I feel like Toronto's ball movement was based a lot of off-ball. They were doing a lot of uh, back screens, a lot of drag out, dragging the screens out, looking for the open man, setting some pin downs to get backdoor cuts. And they were kind of doing it all together in motion, which was opening up some really good looks for the guys on, per on the perimeter because they'd forced the Celtics into rotations and then forced into switching in the middle of a rotation, which would give a shooter like an extra... 0.2 or 0.3 of a second to get that shot up without a hand in his face. They were using Gasol as a primary like creator, so they'd, they'd get Gasol to set the initial back screen, then have him pop out onto the perimeter, collect, collect the ball, wait for a, a pin down coming somewhere else, and then a handoff would come, and then another pin down, and then boom, you'd have someone like Kyle Lowry taking the corner three. Sorry, Fred Van Vliet taking the corner three. For the Celtics, it was very much find that next pass, find that next pass until there's an open opportunity. And at times it was just unstoppable. There was multiple times when I was watching it last night and I was also on social media where I was just tweeting out, that was a beautiful play. What a great pass. Great to see this. Great to see that. It was really like high level and highly orchestrated basketball. The problem is it's all well and good having beautiful offensive execution. But if the other teams are, offensive execution is at that same level and your defense can't shut that down then that's going to be where the problem is and I felt like the guard the Celtics two guards kind of got put in a blender at time now Kemba Walker for, for his size done a fantastic job on defense but you need to see guys stepping up more cutting off lanes and Toronto did a brilliant job of making that very difficult to do. They were setting so many pins and so many back screens that there was just always a man in rotation. And the Celtics were always one step, one step behind. And when you're one step behind, that can easily turn into the other team being two steps ahead because it's so easy to miss one extra rotation or fall one step further behind. And while the Celtics' movement on offense and the way they move the ball is great, they always keep that defense one step behind where Toronto are looking to really put you two and three and four steps. And that's the difference in offensive execution. And I think that a lot of that comes down to just the added length they have across their roster coming off the bench. They can kind of close space a lot quicker than what some of these Celtics can. So I'm very interested to see how they pivot to kind of nullify that in game four. 
my main question is if you're Boston and this is just like directed at you, Adam, what, what would you try and do like right out of the gate in terms of trying to get in that right groove, trying to put that game behind you? Do you think rotations stay the same? Do you think you see more Robert Williams? Does Kaner get completely put in the back burner or do you bring him in in a situational, you know, capacity like you did this last game? What, what would you be looking for? Yeah, so personally, I don't think Cantor's a necessity in this series. And I like what he brings. I just feel like when you're against two high-level guards like Toronto have, then Cantor's going to be more trouble than he's worth in trying to hide him on defense. I like what they're looking like coming out in the zone early. I like the fact against Philly, what they were doing, where they were playing the zone and then switching out of it once penetration happened. You haven't really seen much of that at the moment against Toronto, so I wouldn't mind trying that. I don't think Rob Williams starts because he's your energy guy off the bench. If you bring Rob Williams into the starting lineup, does he have the same impact? I don't think so because he's the guy that comes in and changes the traject- like the energy on the floor. And he's kind of taken Marcus Smart's spot from doing that because Smart's now moved into the starting lineup. What I'd like to see is a little bit more... How can I word it? I'd like to see a little bit more in the lanes. I'd like to see those the seams be lapped off a little bit more. I'd like people. I'd like the Celtics to be very wary of the baseline drives. And I've said this before: those forty-five de- forty-five degree angle drives that Toronto love to get and they facilitate from there excellently need to be shut down from the perimeter, not on the elbow. So that means pushing up a little bit more and having somebody, maybe you do ask Toast to drop back a little bit and force Gasol to shoot that free because he's not hitting it at all at the moment. Maybe you try and force Gasol off the line early so then you've got somebody playing in the post. But there's definitely too much space between the perimeter and then the, the low help line at the moment. And Toronto are exploiting that quite heavily. So you need to figure out how you're going to get that that mid, that sorry, that mid help line and low help line cover kind of in sync, so then when someone does penetrate from the perimeter, they've got another wall of guys, because this is what, if if Boston come through, this is what they're going to have to deal with against Miami, this is what they're going to have to deal with against Milwaukee, is figuring out how to shut down that mid-range helpline, so those driving kicks aren't available, and they did a great job of that in game one and two, but as Kyle Lowry's kind of healed and got better, and Van Vliet's found his scoring punch, they're finding ways to get the ball into the into the mid-range. They're finding ways of feeding the post and letting Siakam get to work down low. And sometimes the entry pass just feels far too easy. I don't see them... like The Celtics' defense clamp down once the entry pass has been made. And for me, I'd rather see them clamp down and stop the entry pass and then make Toronto have to score from deep, which is what they've done to Boston over the last two games, really. Yeah, that's that's exactly something I was about to say. I mean, I, I'm sitting here watching the games, and I'm saying to myself, Siakam is getting to the to the paint, and he's like, it's not even on mismatches. He's actually getting, you know, defended by maybe Brown, Tatum, whatever. How is they rotate, and he's just getting his back to the basket, and his length is just getting these little easy shots at the rim. I wish there's a way they could find a way to force him to kind of shoot because he is struggling from shooting from the three as well. And I would like to see them let Mark Gasol shoot the three more. But Toronto's ball movement, they're, they're finding ways to make those extra passes. Whether they're on that perimeter, Mark Gasol gets that ball. He looks like he's going to shoot the three. All of a sudden, someone cuts. He makes that pass. Boom, it's an easy shot. It's 
it's just something that Boston has to do to adjust. And I think they'll they'll be fine. Like I I don't really see them playing poor defensively. It's just that there's some times where these guys are just getting shots. Like Powell comes in and hits an amazing shot, right? I mean, you can't defend that because he was like d- damn near at mid court. Like how he was at half court shooting that shot. Like so, it, and it goes in, it, and it just provided a spark for for Toronto in that game. So I I think Boston's defense is pretty much on spot. I definitely would like to see them you know, rotate more on the defense to defend, contest some of these three-point shots. And it's funny because they ended up losing by a three, a, a wide open three. And it could have been coming out of the zone. Someone got confused. If you go back and watch that play, it's weird because I know zone, they're covering spaces. You know, you got Taco covering the entry pass so that the guy can throw it over. There's a great pass. So he could throw it over the head of Taco, over the hands of Taco or whatnot. But then it was like Tatum was stuck in one corner and it was like nobody there. It was like Van Fleet kind of made a fake move to that side and then came back around the top. Marcus Smart stayed at the top. Tice was got caught up, like you said earlier, and then Brown tried to rotate and he just left him wide open. That's my only issue with the, with the Celtics when they're defending the three and they run that zone. It's like someone gets confused and someone ends up with a wide open shot. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. If Ananobi would have missed that shot. I would have been like, Boston got away with that one. <laughs> but he didn't. So, great shot. And I agree, yeah. It's just one of those things where I, I don't think that the Celtics played poorly. It's just you can't have lapses like that against a team like Toronto. And I think that is just an example of what they're dealing with. This is a team that's very capable, and they're going to capitalize on your mistakes. So, in terms of rotations, like you said, Wayne, we got to be faster you got to be faster if you're Boston. You have to get on those rotations. you got to be able to stick to your man. I don't think on that last play scheme-wise they should have done something differently in my opinion, but if the rotations are there and you're there and you're able to contest it, then we wouldn't be having this conversation the way we're having it right now. We would have, as you said, Wayne, we would have been, you know, Counting our lucky stars, we walked away with a win and left that guy open and still managed to give a contest and, you know, avoid that buzzer beater. But I think it's like the first win in Toronto history where they've been down at the half. It's like, oh, they're like 0-25 up until this game. And this is only the second buzzer beater in Raptors or second buzzer beater in Raptors postseason history. So the fact that all those kind of stars aligned for this win a lot of things didn't go Boston's way in terms of how guys showed up. So really what it is is just focusing on the things that you can improve on. What you did overall at a very base level wasn't bad. It's just you got to cut out the mistakes. You can't – it's not like you have to play perfect basketball, but there there are small errors that add up over time, and that's really what it comes down to. Hey, real quick, how many turnovers did they have games one and two? Wasn't it like 25 combined? Well, they only had 14 this game. So they're getting better because I think by at the half they had like 11. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's a plus. They're not turning the ball over as much. I mean, Toronto had 13. Another plus is Boston out-rebounded the Raptors. And when do you really hear that Boston out-rebounds any team when it comes to, to rebounds? So it was 44 to 39. So there's some 
There's some good things you can really take away from this game. And I said it in the beginning of the show, like Toronto gave it all they, they got. They, they, they really did. They, I mean, their players were playing tremendous amounts of time, like on the court and they gave it all they had and they ended up with the win. I expect Boston to give it all they got on game four to come out on top. Okay. And before we wrap up, the final question I've got for you guys is what are your predictions for Saturday? I got Boston. Boston (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We said it. Jinx, you owe me a Coke (laughs) at the same time. What what was your score? What did you have? So I, I, I think it's going to be, I think these games are going to stay close. I think it's going to be like 108 to like 103. I think I got Boston by eight. I want to say 10, but my gut says Boston by eight. I got Boston by two. I got him by five. You got him by two. He has him by eight. I like this. None of us have the Raptors winning the next game. I think this was kind of, for me, I feel like this was maybe a wake-up call for the Celtics that, hey, you could have put this game away. Siakam had to sit for a long amount of time. You didn't off your execution level. You kept you allowed them to stay in the game, come back on Saturday and get that job done. You had like for me, like that that's one of the things about a team winning seven on seven straight, eight straight, nine straight, ten straight, is sometimes you need to get that big punch to the face to make you realise like, yo, I need to I need to fight back here. And I feel like maybe this is going to be what brings out, and I say this because he's proven it every time he's had a quiet night, brings out a God-level game from Tatum, maybe pushes Kemba to just do that little bit more scoring instead of facilitating. Brown, I've got, you can't fault Brown. You cannot ask Brown to do any more than what he did in that game. Just don't miss that final rotation. But that's, I can't put any blame on him after the way he performed for the entirety of the game. But for me, this is going to be. This is one of those. Yo, you could have executed at a higher level throughout the whole game, and they shouldn't have been in it at the end because their quote unquote best player in Siakam had to sit in foul trouble. Why not try and bait some extra fouls? You've got two or three guys on the floor with five fouls apiece. Try and draw some contact. Try and get some of these guys to sit for the last few minutes of the quarter. Execute. And this is what I'm expecting to see. And I feel like Brad Stevens is going to be preaching something very similarly to them today. With that said, we will find out tomorrow. You will hear from us again on Monday. It's Friday. Happy 2K Day. That is exactly where I'm going right now to do some 2K. Because if you don't play 2K on 2K Day, then you don't deserve to play 2K. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. (laughs) Tim, I'm looking at you. You're not joking. I'm going to hop off and open up all the packs that I have for my pre-order because they weren't there at midnight. No, they weren't. And I don't care about packs right now. I just got, I want to start my live player. Since yeah, I'm on, I'm on a badges tip right now. I want all them badges. I want Give me all the badges. It's grind time. It's, it's grind time. Yeah. So with that said, guys, we'll catch you again on Monday. We'll all let you know what badges we've got and what packs we've picked up. And then we'll look at how the Celtics performed on Saturday. We will see you then. We know you missed us. We missed you guys too. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Goodbye. Cheers.